This episode is brought to you in part by Highland Canine LLC. They offer total solutions for law enforcement and military organizations to meet their increasingly demanding canine needs. Connect with them and see the difference at tacticalpolicek9training.com. That's tacticalpolice, the letter K, the number nine, training.com. This episode in part is brought to you by DeminayBiteSuits.com, based in Loveland, Colorado. Be sure to hit them up at DeminayBiteSuits.com, D-E-M-A-N-E-T, BiteSuits.com. I want to give a huge shout out to my guys at Police Canine Association. You can contact them through email at Police Canine Association at gmail.com or go to the website policecanineassociation.com or pk9a.com and check out their awesome gear. Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, here we are back again with another episode of Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. I'm here with Eric Stambrome. I am Ted Summers. I'm in Tulsa. Eric is up in Ohio. Eric, what have you been doing this week? Um, just doing training. Um, I got a couple guys in for some remedial. Um, another guy from out of state stopped in to uh, do some training. So we're finishing up class 33 and, uh, you know, usual stuff. It actually was nice today. Sunny and like 48. It was perfect. Well, I keep seeing on your Instagram. It looks like fucking miserable up there. It's snowing. I mean, I was crying the other day because we had a little bit of ice and I was like, this is bullshit. I'm not going outside. And, you know, no, there was a mud and everything else. So we haven't had a whole lot going on. Uh, we've got a couple more dogs in. I've got some handler courses and explosives course starting soon. Uh, we covered in the uh, last episode, I just got back from Florida for doing that high-risk deployment seminar, and we had some really, really good teams there from across the state. So uh, we've been – and I've got some more people that want to do one of those. But, yeah. So uh, tonight we have Danny Cornier on from Southern Coast Canine. Uh, Danny, how are you? I'm pretty good, brother. How are you? Doing well, man. It's great to have uh, handlers on. Uh, we've had a lot of trainers um, you're one of our first like handler handlers on. Um, so I know people have been asking for handlers to come on, um, you know, and it's not that you're, I mean, you know, we've had Mike Suttle on and Mike Ritland and everybody else, but everybody's like, Oh man, I'll have some regular handlers on. I'm like, all right, cool. So you reached out and I told you you had to do 40 cock pushups to get on. So <laughs> here we are. I'm, I'm at, yeah, I'm at about 30 now. So I okay. Probably well, knock out a couple of yeah, you have knocked out <laughs> 10 of the bank. Yeah. So, <laughs> Right on. So uh, give us some of your background, how you got into dogs, military side, and then we'll transition into moving out and then going to Southern Coast and talk about some of that stuff. For sure. Um, so it, uh, I guess it all started uh, back in 2007. I uh, decided to, jo- to join the old Corps, and uh, I originally came on as an uh, as a MP. Um, you know, I went through the whole boot camp thing, MCT, the norm, the, the, the regular, uh, I guess, ladder you got to climb. Uh I got about halfway through MP school and, uh, you know, they were looking, I guess, to plus up the Marine Corps numbers at the time for canine. Uh, I went up for it, tried out. I got it. Um, after I graduated MP school, I went to, uh, 
good old Lackland Air Force Base. I'm pretty sure everybody's familiar with Lackland Air, Lackland Air Force Base. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, after that, um, went through basic handlers course, uh, you know, the basic 12-week course, nothing too fancy there. Um, after the uh, 12-week course, uh, I had the opportunity to either head back out to the fleet, which is, you know, in the fleet, in the US Marines, we call it just, you know, the regular workforce. Um, either head out to the fleet or uh, go to SSD school. Uh, so I thought that was, well, oh, well, you know, that was one hell of an opportunity. So um, I decided to take the offer. I went out to uh, SSD school and then, uh, you know, working out to my favor. Um, apparently there was no all Marine teams uh, since the Marine Corps, I guess, signed on to the SSD program. So when I went through my SSD course, it was an all Marine course. And I had uh, one of my instructors, uh, his name is Michael Harris, who was Sergeant Harris at the time. He, uh, he had gone through the Israeli course. Um, so I guess since it was all Marines, what he decided to do was kind of more along the lines, tailor the course for an Israeli course versus the, uh, the old British style. I'm not sure if you guys are too familiar with the uh, British style of the SSD side. Right, right. Um, yeah, so instead of, you know, the Labradors and, 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 and the happy fun stuff, it was more uh, tailored towards the Israeli, uh, you know, mouths and chefs and, and e-collars and, and, you know, the, the, the more uh, the cool robotic dogs that you see that are associated with the Israeli program. Um, so I did that, uh, graduated SSB school, um, left Blackland Air Force Base, and I got stationed in uh, Camp Pendleton, California. Um, where uh, me and a couple other guys were kind of like the newbies there. Um, so I got there, and uh, I, I kind of got thrown to the wolves a little bit. It was a big shock uh, to see the difference of dogs between Lackland dogs and dogs that had been out in the fleet already or dogs that had maybe made a, did a couple deployments or dogs that were actually from Israel. Um, I remember the first time I saw an Israeli dog. I mean, I was mouth open draw jaw hit the floor it was it was ridiculous for me you know to, to know that a dog can actually do something that crazy or be that robotic um so i kind of um you know got mentored by a couple guys there that had like i said that had been through the israeli course and you know they opened my eyes to a whole new sort of uh i guess you can say theory or training method and uh it kind of just took off from there you know just the, the curiosity was just I guess you can say it's what killed me. And just, you know, I was all over the place asking questions, going to schools here and there, and just kind of took me to where I'm here today. Yeah, we uh, we had Jonathan Katz on, who was actually, um, <clears throat> he was a handler for, um, he wasn't in the IDF, but he was in the uh, Israeli Ministry of Defense as kind of like an English-speaking trainer and talked about some of that stuff. So what was some of the things that you saw those dudes do? Because, I mean, I have several guys, friends that were in handlers and rangers and some of the other units, and and they've all trained with some of those guys over there, and they say the same thing. They're like, holy shit, you won't believe what some of these dogs do. Like, I mean, you know, over here we, in police departments too, you know, we have dogs that are very, like they're dual purpose. They do a jack of all trades. They do several things very well. But over there they have a lot of dogs that are super, super, super specific and super, super, super for specific training, everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what, one thing that I really liked was, uh, you know, obviously the SSD, the SSDs that we were getting were single purpose, but, you know, by all means, I know the dogs were probably some of the tougher dogs that I've ever handled in my career. 
um, you know, like I said, the first time I saw an SSC, I remember we were, uh, we were behind the kennels in Camp Pendleton. And for all you guys that's probably been there before, you know how, you know, how much land or mountains are out there. So I'm standing behind the kennels, and there's, a, uh, there's another handler, uh, Staff Corrado. He's got this dog out there. He tells the dog forward. Dog goes out a couple, uh, you know, 15, 20 meters, looking good. Dog keeps on going. 100 meters, 200 meters, 300 meters. And I mean, the dog is just basically just a, a little furry dot off in the distance. And he's talking to this dog on these radios, you know, giving him commands left, right. And this dog is just, you know, making 90 degree turns and, and, and I'm basically a robot. And from then on, I was just like, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is, this is what I came into canine for. And, um, you know, I just tried to pick those guys' brains as much as possible um, you know, stay after work, um, you know, just, just try to try to be basically just a fly on the wall in every in every dog conversation that those guys had. And uh, I, I, I picked up a whole lot from those guys. Um, and it was just it was just an awesome program to be a part of. Awesome. So um, did you deploy as a handler? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in uh, 2010. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to Afghanistan. Um, and again, I went with, this, with an Israeli dog. Um, and uh, when I got there, I was, uh, I first got teamed up with uh, Marine Infantry Unit 3-1. Um, we went down to uh, probably the furthest point south at, at, at the time in 2010 uh, to this little PB uh, named PB Amir. And uh, I had a... Uh, had a great time there, so to say. A lot of my experience came from my first deployment, you know, whether it was good or bad. Um, you know, I guess I can say I had a good time, but I, I, I definitely learned a whole lot on my first deployment. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I mean, as a handler, how many deployments did you do as a handler? I'm trying to – did you do two, one? Yeah, I did, uh, I did two deployments. They both were in Afghanistan. Uh, they were uh, pretty much back to back. Okay, and My those first are one was in 2010. No, go ahead, guys. Uh, and those are both single or dual? Per- were they dual purpose dogs or single? Uh, well, they were both both Israeli dogs, single purpose. Uh, okay. it, I mean, you know, they would they would do all that crazy stuff, but it was just mainly single purpose. Right. So while you were over there, you know, you said you learned a lot over there because you went to a bunch of schools before that and everything else. So what's something that? Um, is fairly interesting i guess that you can talk about that uh you learned that <laughs> that maybe you trained for but it's not exactly you're like man nobody fucking told me this yeah 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 um let's say everything <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah 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 there, there's it, there's a lot to learn man and i'd say for those guys who are who are listening and 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 you know they're nervous about their first deployment or, or they're trying to train for every situation it's, it's impossible to try to train for every situation that you're going to be in. Um, you know, if, if I had to say, if I learned one thing that really stood out to me the most is, um, you know, that, that, that idea, that, that picture that you have in your head, that when your dog's out in front of you and it's hot and you're tired and you think that your dog is going to have that beautiful sit and stare, staring at the ground, telling you where the supposed IED is and, and you know everything's gonna kind of fall into place like you think it is. That really ain't gonna happen. It's uh, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of the times 
um, as a handler and, and just, you know, speaking from experience, and this is just my experience. I can't speak for everyone, but, you know, a, a lot of it was, you know, using your eyes, you know, using visual cues and also using your dog as a, as a tool to kind of help you to guide you to where, you know, your next find is going to be. Right. Yeah. That's that something. Sense. Oh, that makes terrific sense. I mean, that's something Eric talks to his guys a lot about, and I do too, about how, you know, the dog and administrators too, on the law enforcement side, you know, the dog is a tool and their primary job, whether it be finding drugs, bombs, people, or whatever is a detection tool first and foremost. And how, you, han- and how you handle that and how the dog is handled, how the tool is handled and how everything else is handled down the line is part of the entire process and that's the thing you know i mean during our handler courses and i'm pretty sure you guys do the same thing down there and i know eric does you know we expose our handlers to shit that like will probably never happen but then when you have the mundane shit that happens it's like okay whatever you know it's no big deal so yeah oh yeah so danny when you know when i was training dogs when i was training dogs with nsw we were training of course on you know during training for the uh that, that sit and stare, that final alert. But mm-hmm. our on deployment, we wanted them to get that change of behavior and then reel the dog in because because at that point, there was absolutely. all pressure plate stuff. And absolutely. is that how you guys absolutely. were working? Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and like I said, in, in, a, in a perfect world, in a perfect and training environment, we always wait for the sit and stare. Um, you know, you, you I guess that's, you know, that, that's what Twitter, everybody does. But, you know, when you're really out there, it's, I normally called it on a change of behavior. I think the only time I had my dog ever sit and stare on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on an actual ID is, is almost maybe a surprise or he was out of sight and, and, and he found something. Um, you know, it, it very rarely or ever did I wait for a final response. It was always in a change of behavior, recall your dog um, and, and, and try to guide EOD or whoever you have to get rid of the ID as, as uh, give them, you know, uh, best description is what you saw as possible. So when you deployed, so you go over with two two different platoons, correct? Uh, well, when you deploy um, in in well in the I can speak for the Marine Corps. When you deploy in the Marine Corps, um, when I was in, you deploy as a kennel. So okay. I guess the kennel would be maybe anywhere from thirty to forty guys. Um, when you go over, you kind of have like a like an acclimation period. It's usually about two weeks. Uh, you get all your briefings. Um, you kind of you know EOD comes over and talks to you and tell you what's going on, what they're seeing. Um, you know the crazy shit that the uh, TV is doing at the time. Um, and and you're also using that two weeks to kind of get your dog acclimated. You know, get them acclimated to the heat, uh, to the drier weather. You know, just to the different environments. So. That's usually yeah. what you do uh, for the first two weeks there. So then we're like, did you guys come up with SOPs on the fly? Like I know when we did it, each platoon, for example, cause it was done a little bit differently than a kennel is each one would do it differently. I prefer, you know, the EOD prefers to find it and use a dog for confirmation on things. Some prefer the dog to find it, then call up EOD. You just had to make those rules up and make sure everybody understood the same thing. Or was everybody on the same page all the time? Well, you know, I guess the way we train back in the States, uh, we try to keep everybody on the same page. You know, mm-hmm. everybody kind of has their, their, the same SOPs. That way there's no crazy variations in training. But, you know, when you get to these, uh, some of these units, especially those really high-speed units, um, they start to ask different things of you. 
um, you know, they want you to kind of utilize your dog a little differently, or maybe what that the last handler did for them, what they liked. Um, they, you know, they might ask you that. You know, I, I guess it's more along the lines of what you're comfortable with. Um, you know, you don't want to start doing anything crazy or, 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 or go outside of what you're used to. Um, but again, once you get to these different units, they start asking you different things. Hey, could you do it this way? Or, hey, how about, uh, do you mind rolling second in the patrol instead of first? You know, it, it really mm-hmm. depends on what unit you're with. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you do two deployments, um, you come back. Uh, do you do any other deployments uh, not as a handler, or do you stay as a handler and then come back and then get out, or how does that go? Uh, so I did my uh, I did my two deployments. Um, uh, my first one, 2010. My second one at the tail end of 2011 and 2012. Uh, I got – I was uh, finished up at Camp Pendleton. I, I, I did my tour, I did my rotation at Camp Pendleton. And, uh, you know, I was uh, up to move. So they were kind of like, well, hey, where do you want to go? I was like, well, you know, I kind of want to, I want to try the instructor thing. Let's try that out. So I put in for uh, Yuma. I'm not sure if any of you guys are too familiar with Yuma or YPG, uh, Yuma Proving Grounds. Right. Um, it's like it's like the uh, I, I guess you can say the, the the main pre-deployment course for the Army and the Marine Corps. Well, at the time it was Army, Navy, Marine Corps, and uh, Air Force, but the uh, Air Force and the uh, Navy kind of bitched out on that. I guess it was too hard for them. But um, you know, <laughs> we we may have to edit that one out. <laughs> nah, let's search some Nah, no, nah, the, yeah, nah, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I was like, you know, yeah, let's, let's you know, make a, a tour out in YPG and share some of the knowledge that I've learned, you know, over my two deployments and pass it on to new handlers. We'll have some fun. So I put in for Yuma, you know, and uh, after I put in for Yuma, my orders came out for Yuma Marine Corps Air Station. So I'm like, all right, you know, I, you know, Marine Corps, and if you guys know out there, Marine Corps Air Station is a lot different from YPG. YPG is more like a training environment where handlers go to for pre-deployment courses, and and uh, Yuma Marine Corps Air Station is, uh, you know, basically just Marine yeah, Corps Air Station. Yeah, yeah for those that don't know, like Yuma, they have that giant town built out there, like out in the middle of nowhere, and I mean, it's like i mean it's yeah so i mean there's some people yeah there's people that are listening that don't know what that is so yeah yeah so kind of describe it just like quickly yeah no for sure for sure um so ypg Yuma proving ground is uh like i said before it's just it's a pre-deployment course uh for at the time it was army navy marine corps and air force and you know what you do there is uh I can't remember how many weeks you go out there. I believe it's either two or three weeks. You go out there and you pretty much just, um, you know, you're, you're, you're getting into every situation possible. Uh, the environment at YPG kind of simulates either Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, it's really hot, dry, rocky, sandy. Um, they, they, they build uh, villages out there to kind of simulate, you know, an Afghani or an Iraqi town. Uh, they'll have live animals. Um, <clears throat> you know, they do a lot of gunfire. Um, it's, it's, a if, if, you know, it's, it's a really awesome place to kind of get your dog acclimated or, or somewhat acclimated to these different environments that you may find yourself in overseas. Um, I loved it. I'm not going to lie. That course will break you off. I mean, you are, you know, <laughs> I, 
hiking around with 60, 70, 80-pound packs, and you got your dog, and, and you know, after you finish a three or four or five-mile, six-mile six hike, you're running a 30 to 45-minute scenario, and, I mean, it's it'll break you off, but, you know, it'll uh, it'll definitely put some hair in your chest. <laughs> That's Everybody says That's the same sure. thing. So Yeah. Yeah. So you go out uh, and you become an instructor out there. Well, no, I actually don't even make it to YPG. So oh, I okay. just, something happened along the lines um, where there was some confusion on what I wanted maybe. And I got stationed at Marine Corps Air Station Yuma. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. just a little bit of moaning. Uh, I guess they said, suck it up, you're going to MCAS. So uh, I got stationed, uh, oh, I got attached to PMO canine, which for the guys that don't know, PMO canine is provost marshal's office. It's more of like the law enforcement setting versus the, uh, uh, a deployment setting, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thankful that, uh, I was able to go there. It kind of opened my eyes to a, a, a different sort of canine again, to more like the law enforcement setting. Um, you know, I, I, I learned a lot. I do. A, I got to do a lot of different things. I got to, uh, you know, deploy my dog a lot differently than what I did before in my first four years. So, um, you know, it, a lot of guys hear PMO canine, they're like, oh, man, this shit sucks. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, it's going to be boring. But, you know, it, it's just like anything else. It's, it's what you make it. You know, I got to go to a lot of um, – I got to go to a couple of really good schools while I was there. Um, yeah, and, again, it was just a learning experience, you know. Right. Yeah. So, and you know, I mean, in that. So, how long were you out there? Uh, I was in uh, I was in Yuma for about another four years. So, altogether, it was about eight years uh, in my canine career before I got out. So before, so moving into getting out, you had done both the military side and then the law enforcement side. So as you're moving out, you start looking for jobs, and that's how you got hooked up with Southern Coast, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. I was getting out, um, and I, I knew I wanted to. Uh, I knew I wanted to stay in the canine world, um, and, and you know, part of the reason I was getting out is because uh, you know they were they were pushing to be they were pushing me to be a recruiter, and, and at the time, that just you know that's that's not what I wanted to do. Um, so between that and and you know no more deployments, I was like, well, I guess I'll try to get out and try to do it on the civilian side. So I'm on my way out. Um, I, you know, I can't find anything canine. So I end up trying to go the law enforcement route. Um, you know, I, I went through the whole process with Orlando police department. Um, I was going to work for those guys. Um, I had a, I had an academy date and everything. It was like sometime in August and I was getting out in July or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the dates were. Uh, so it was a couple of weeks before I'm getting out and I see a, I see a posting for a multi-purpose instructor. Ooh, all right. Let's try for that. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, <laughs> I put my information out and no shit. Bill called me like two days later. He's like, Hey, I got your resume here. Why don't you come down and uh, come chat? All right, let's go do it. So I come down, take a couple of days. I come down and chat and uh, kind of going back and forth talking about what he's looking for and kind of what their training is, and, you know, lined up pretty much what, you know, what I learned and the things that I've done in the Marine Corps. And, um, you know, the next thing he tells me, he's like, all right, so when can you start? I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, so it was a couple weeks later. I started there, and I guess the rest was history, man. Right. So, you know, 
Which, I mean, I, I've not been on the law enforcement side. So, I mean, Eric will be the one to be able to tell you, you know, about being yeah. that side, handling and everything else. But so now, you know, you're a civilian, you're on the civilian side, you're training law enforcement officers mm-hmm. you have. And you did the time at Yuma. So, I mean, it helped quite a bit, I'm assuming, coming in. And you were able to probably, knowing what I know about Southern Coast, you're probably able to pick up pretty quickly and just go straight from there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, I, I say law enforcement side, but it, you know, in the Marine Corps on the law enforcement side, it's it's you know, it's it's a lot different. It's not. I don't want to say it's any less intense, but what the, what the civilian guys do on law enforcement side is nowhere near what we what we had going on on our side. You know, uh, and again, you're on a you're on a Marine Corps base. Um, you know, there there are some opportunities to employ your dog just not along the same lines of what, you know, the civilian guys are doing. So even though I did have that somewhat, I guess you could say law enforcement experience, um, there was a big eye, a big eye opener when I came onto this side, you know, and it really kind of, you know, again, opened my eye up to a new side of canine. You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> was, uh, was Southern coast training style say on, um, like, uh, early early parts of detection was it way different than we used to or you were pretty familiar with their style yeah no i mean i'm I, yeah I, I was pretty familiar i mean I, again it, it wasn't too far off from what we're used to in the military i guess that's why you know i kind of felt comfortable there and i i, I kind of uh you know started you know to to get you know a little better idea of how things work inside because it was pretty close to what i was used to um, you know, I, I guess you can say uh, the, the biggest difference um, was just versus how much time you have to get a dog and a team ready. For us on the military side, we have an ample amount of time. Oh, yeah. And, but on the, on the civilian side, it's I don't want to say it's rush, rush, rush. But, you know, things no, have it is. to happen a lot, a lot <laughs> yeah, quicker. It's sure. rush, rush, rush. No, it, believe me, it is yeah, rush, rush, rush. It is. You know, I've rush, said this, rush, rush. You know? I've said this before, you know, my my partner here, or one of my partners here is an old seven special forces guy. And, you know, he's like Mr. fucking Zen all the time. And people are always yeah. pressuring us. And they're like, when's the dog going to be done? When's the dog going to be run? And he's like, you know, Yoda, like, oh, dog is done when dog yeah. is done. And <laughs> like, yeah, no, believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's it, it could be a pain in the butt sometimes you know so when 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 you're here on the civilian side of here um I, how could i how could i shorten you better know your shit let me put it that way because if you don't you're going to get passed up and you know next thing you know you're going to find yourself jobless so you you know you you have to be savvy let me say that you have to be savvy on this side when it comes to training dogs yeah no oh, I, yeah, I mean, you learn a lot of tricks and a lot of things to get through um, on my end, like the guys that in my agency, they have to go through a 14 week school, uh, green dog, green handler or whatever, uh, 14 weeks, uh, the dogs are always green start to finish. I can get a lot mm-hmm. done in 14 weeks, a lot, uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. because our department, our agency in the city that we're in the, uh, your opportunities to deploy your dog, uh, the first day. So, uh, but all these smaller agencies that come to me, they cannot have a guy off the road or whatever for 14 weeks. So I got to do some pre-training on their dog and then try to get them done in five and uh, five oh, or yeah. six. Yep. And so I always tell the handler on day one, I'm like, if you've never drank from a fire hose, get ready. Yeah. That's what we run into also. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 
Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I hate it. And, and I hate the short classes. I hate it. Oh, so do I. So do I. You always feel like you're leaving something out, man. You know, you you, you, you try to give these guys as much as possible, and and you know, you don't want to leave them hanging. But you know, sometimes you get these short courses, you know, four, five, six weeks. And you're like, shit, man, I just, you know, I, I feel like I could have done this differently or maybe, you know, give him a little bit more of that or, but hopefully it all comes out in the wash later. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you just got, I mean, depending on when this airs, like just, but as of the recording now, you just got back from Eastern Europe, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And you were over there on a buy trip. Absolutely. I will. So it's one of the things that Eric and I talk about quite a bit, both kind of in private and then, and, you know, we've asked Subtle and a couple of other guys about this. And, you know, there's a lot of people that still go over. Um, and for those that don't know, Southern Coast is a fairly large operation. What do you guys have? I can't remember, like 80 kennels for them, right? 60, 80? I don't remember how many you have. Um, well, for kennels, kennel space, we had about 85 kennels. Right. And so you guys yeah. run, you know, several programs for like USDA and a couple of other people. And plus you have the green dog or you guys have green dogs and you have finished dogs and everything else. So, you know, when you're going over there, um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. What are you mm-hmm. doing for testing? Cause you know, and I kind of mentioned this earlier. I mean, everybody thinks that they have the secret sauce. I have a really good friend that got out of one of the special operations units in the military, and he was a trainer. And, you know, he gets out, and he calls me like six months later and says, hey, um, I don't know where to find any dogs. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's fucking dogs everywhere, dude. And he was like, no. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, what did you do when you were in this unit? And he was like, well, fuck, man. They just showed up. I'm like, well, that's because somebody that knew what they were doing picked them out for you. And he's like, well, okay, well, we need to do that. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, hold on, we can handle it. So, (laughs) like, when you went over there, like, kind of go, kind of walk through the process of how you start doing some some of that. And let's kind of clarify, you're picking for law enforcement here, correct? Yeah, yeah, picking for law enforcement. We don't don't do too much of the DOD or DOS side. It's mostly all law enforcement that we pick for. Cool. Hey, hey guys. We at this point right here, we want to get people a chance to go get some popcorn because everybody wants to know what it's like going over <laughs> to Europe. So okay. we're gonna take we're gonna take a second here for our commercial sponsors, and uh, everybody go get yourself a drink, get your popcorn, and get ready for these uh, this stuff. We're gonna get into the Europe side. This episode is brought to you by Highland Canine Training LLC. They offer total solutions for law enforcement and military organizations to meet their increasingly demanding canine needs. Connect with them and see the difference. At TacticalPoliceK9Training.com, that's Tactical Police, the letter K, the number 9, training.com. Guys, they're fucking good. Oh, hold on a second. Let's talk about Demine Bite Suits. From start to finish, you can order a new suit online in like 10 minutes. That even includes the time to custom design your own unique suit. The days are way gone of having to order packets and snail mail everything back, and then you're not sure if they got it. So all you have to do is get online. Your order is sent straight to the kids at DeminayBiteSuits.com, and then once it's confirmed, everything is set up, they send it straight to Deminay, making your life much easier and guaranteeing the fastest delivery time. Their online process is catered to giving you guys peace of mind while ensuring the fastest results. Demine offers a solution when it comes to high-quality, durable, professionally-made bite suits. Invest in a Demine bite suit and take pride in having a reliable suit made just for you. That'll never let you down. 
DiminetBiteSuits.com is operated by Complete Canine Training, LLC, which is Chris and Chelsea. They're based out of Loveland, Colorado. They've been training police canines and protection dogs and family dogs for over 10 years. They have the same passions as you guys, so you know that when you want in a bite suit, they want the same things too. And they're here to help you guys through the process. Feel free to contact them, and they'll be able to help you out and point you in the right direction. Head over to DeminetBiteSuits.com. That is D-E-M-A-N-E-T, BiteSuits.com. Go over, be sure to use the 10% off of anything you have, you're going to order. The discount code is WORKINGDOGRADIO, all one word. They do free shipping. They also do purchase orders for government and, and law enforcement agencies. They also started a new program where they're going to do financing for buy it now, pay later through PayPal. Hit them up, DeminetBiteSuits.com. I want to talk about something near and dear to my heart. That's the Police Canine Association, or PK9A. They were formed in 1985 by handlers for handlers. They are a 501c3 nonprofit that helps support active and retired canine units through fundraising and the sale of some badass merchandise. Please take a minute to check out their newly designed website at www.pk9a.com. That's pk9a.com. I've been a member there for 13 years and the current training director there. I can tell you there are some big things in the works to expand the nonprofit to help canine units all over. If you're on Instagram, check them out for some amazing content at Police Canine Association or Police Canine Association on Facebook. All right, we're back with our guest, Danny. Uh, we're talking about uh, buy trips in Europe. Uh, let's get into it. Let's hear it. All right, so uh, buy trips in Europe. Um, you know, I guess where I start out at is, um, you know, and again, you, know, you guys were talking about it earlier. Everybody thinks they have the secret sauce to picking dogs. Um, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, you know, when you start doing all this crazy stuff, I, I, I've seen some wild things. I've seen guys put like masks on and, and shower curtains and, you know, <laughs> all kind of weird things. Um, you know, you got to remember, you're at the end of the day, you're buying a green dog. Okay. Um, this dog isn't going to, you know, is it going to be doing all this crazy, uh, ridiculous thing that you're going to, the dog's going to be able to do after he's got some training in him. But, uh, you know, again, I keep it really simple. Um, usually the first thing, the very first thing I do is we'll do like a, a an environmental test, um, without any stimulation, no toy, um, you know, no, no, no talking loud to the dog. I'm just kind of walking him around in his environment, um, going up and downstairs, um, walking into dark rooms, slippery floors, different things like that. And again, just with no stimulation, just as, just walking him around, just kind of see what his temperament is, um, you know, see if he's eyeballing me or if, if or if he's if he's going to be spooky around any any sort of environment or anything like that. Um, then after that, I'll just kind of bring the toy out and I'll play with him a little bit. You know, um, you know, see what his possessions like, see how he holds on to the toy. Um, does he want to play with me? Um, you know, is it more along the lines just all right, give me the damn toy so I can get the hell away from me type deal. Um, to kind of see just, you know, how he plays around with the toy and me a little bit. <clears throat> um, immediately after that, I'll uh, take the toy out and uh, we'll kind of play a little hide and seek. Hide the toy and um, I'll kind of see what, you know, how he uses his nose. Um, at this point, I'm not concerned if he finds it or not. Um, if he finds it, awesome, great, bonus points. If he doesn't find it, let's just see how long he'll look for it. Let's see how long he'll search for it. Um, you know, does he go above and beyond? Is he, is there a lot of intensity? Um, can I hear his nose popping, looking for the toy? Um, you know, is, is he, is he hopping up on the furniture on his own? 
Um, does he go into the dark room on his own when he's looking for the toy? Um, you know, those type of things. That's, that's, you know, and again, just keep it very simple. I'm not out there doing all kind of crazy stuff. You know, I might tap on the wall a little bit here and there or stomp my feet or something like that, like that while he's searching to see how he reacts to it. But again, I'm just, you know, keeping it very simple, trying not to do anything crazy. And again, you have to remember these are green dogs that you're picking. Um, I guess after the hunt test, um, we'll do some, uh, some basic bite work. Uh, again, I'll probably just uh, step out there with some civil, no sleeves, no equipment, no whip, nothing fancy. I'll just stand in front of the dog, maybe challenge him a little bit, um, kind of see how he reacts to that. Then I might do a little, a little bit of moving around. Uh, if I have something in my hand I'm, or maybe a whip, I might pop the whip, see how he reacts to that. I'll come back at my sleeve, present the sleeve, see how he does on the sleeve. Um, you know, a, a lot of guys I see make a mistake, and even agencies that come in, uh, that they'll make the initial mistake. Um, when the dog originally bites on they'll start crazy and, and making all kind of noise and popping the whip and, and, you know, doing cartwheels and all kind of crazy shit. Um, as soon as the dog bites, I'm pretty much dead. I'm, I'm still, I'm not moving. Um, I want to see what the dog does at that point. Um, is he dancing around the sleeve? Um, is he kind of getting funny with me? And, and, and does, does he see me as a threat and kind of freak out when I'm not moving and dancing around and yelling and screaming? Um, you know, if, 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 uh, if the initial bite is done correctly, like the, the, the initial test, you can tell a lot from the dog right then and there. Um, after that, if he gives me a nice, good, solid bite, he seems, he seems confident. I'll, um, I kind of put a little pressure on him. And again, he's a green dog. I understand that, you know, a lot of these vendors and stuff like that don't like you, uh, don't like when you're, you know, throwing the dog up on the counter and, and, and going wild and crazy, which is understandable. Um, but you know, it's just really basic, um, uh, pressure. Um, you know, again, popping the whip, I may put him under the table a little bit, back him into a corner and kind of see how he reacts with that. And then if, and if he gives me everything there, Everything looks pretty good. The last test we'll do is uh, we'll do like a field hunt, see how he hunts out in the field. Um, if that looks all good and gravy, and uh, I say he has a passport to the U.S. Yeah, you know, and it, like I said, we started before this, and we we both have some stories about tests that we've seen where I'm like, really, <laughs> like seriously, dude. Yeah. And that kind yeah, of, and, yeah. and you know, I talk about this with a lot of people, kind of not necessarily in public, but <clears throat> where. We talk about the definition of green because I'll have handlers or handlers or departments call us and say, "Oh, we need a green yeah. dog." I'm like, "Okay, well, I have one," and they're like, "Oh, he he can't he can't tra- he can't track." I'm like, "I know, <laughs> he's he's green, <laughs> he's green, I know." And oh, they're like, "Oh, let me tell you what, <laughs> yeah, you 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 won't believe how many people come to me about you know wanting to do a track test or let's see how well the dogs track." And, you know, and, and, and I'm telling them, hey, you know, this is a green dog, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to see how it tracks. Okay. You know? Well, so, I have people, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had people contact us, me and Scott, about wanting a green dog, quote unquote, green dog that has a title. I'm like, do what? Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, I mean, I know there's no title that's going to, like, you know, they're not going to find drugs for titles, but I mean. Yeah, no, yeah. You get an IPO2 dog and. Yeah, I mean, I, some yeah, of the gnarliest yeah. dogs we ever put out had IPU titles, but the only thing you really have to teach them to do is track the way we want and then teach them to find drugs. I mean, they'll bite just about anything. But So Absolutely. it's always interesting when 
And that's kind of something that Eric and I talk about, too. You know, when we see these bids from departments where they're like, oh, we want the dog to be between this age and this age, and we want it to be green. I'm like, oh, fuck. How many 33-month-old <laughs> How many 33-month-old Malinois you know that are fucking green? Uh, uh, that's what I'm saying. So those, those, <laughs> days, of finding, those days of finding, you know, the, the two-year-old, the two-and-a-half-year-old Malinois chef uh, overseas are over. You're not going to find anything like that anymore. And if you do, you're lucky. Or you're either lucky or you have to tell yourself, why is this dog still here? There has to be a reason why this dog hasn't been sold or, or, or gone to the States yet. Yeah, you know, I mean, Eric and I have been – we do this podcast and we talk to Mike Ritland twice and Subtle once. And, you know, the consensus mm-hmm. is starting to kind of distill out that, you know, there is a lack of um, dogs that are in that age range and – you know, I mean, Ritland said it best. He's like, you know, I'd put a well-bred Malinois or Shepherd in the same category as a fucking black rhino at this point. And, <laughs> you know, and he's, and he's right. You know, I mean, when he said that, kind of Eric and I both, and Alicia for that matter, got a lot of inboxes and text messages and emails and yada yada about people are like, oh, fuck, maybe we did mess up. Maybe we do need to breed these dogs and this, that, and the other, which, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But you're you're 100% yeah. right. When, when I start getting dogs – they're like, oh, we got this dog that we have one in the department is a perfect example here. And he was in, in a later age range with a lot of work, and they didn't want a lot of money for him. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Like, what's wrong yeah, with this that's, dog, that's right? Vicious. And he's a suit well. And come to find out, uh, the dog wasn't a very good producer. So it wasn't worth any money to them mm-hmm. as a title dog. Because, yeah. I mean, if they breed him and he produces shit, then there's nothing there. I mean, at that point, there's no reason to there's keep no him. There's no point. So they're like, yeah. oh, fuck, we'll sell him to the police department of the United States, which he's great at that. I mean, you know, he's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he he ruins people's days for sure. But, I mean, yeah. you know, so you're 100% right. I mean, when we get those dogs, I mean, you know, I tell the story of the one that we got that had uh, – it was a total shit bag. And he had a title, but mm-hmm. it took him three times to do it. And I was like, why are they wow. selling this dog? And they said, because uh, he tried to kill a judge during tracking. I'm like, oh, and he was just oh, one yeah. of those. He, he was just one of those dogs. He likes to bite people, and he was just kind of a shithead. And I could understand why. I mean, you know, that was. I don't think I've said this before in here, but when when our guys go over there to buy dogs, you know, we're like, oh, we go to the clubs and we say, whose dog does everybody hate? And they all point at somebody, and they're like, yeah, I'll take his dog because he doesn't out or he's a shit bag or there's something wrong with him. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, those are the ones you want. <laughs> so, Danny, when you're doing the, your series of tests. Uh, where do you fail in the most on? Um, you know, to be honest with you, um, the, I guess I would say the the, 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 the majority of times I fail a dog is because they're either, I guess you can say spooky or skittish. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as, as soon as I see a dog spooky or skittish coming in, you know, I, I don't want to ruin anybody's dog. I might play with them just to kind of, you know, let the vendor feel a little better and I don't want to hurt his feelings. But as soon as I see that, I'm pretty much whether single purpose or dual purpose. I'm kind of, uh, you know, checking that no box at, as soon as I see that. Yeah, they are they. From the first time you went over to this time coming over, are they figuring out, you know, that they got to get these, they got to get the dogs confident on slick floors and things like that, or are they just still like you a know, lot of the videos I see, all they're doing is jumping up on a on a desk or something, and yeah. nothing too crazy, but you know. I have, I have a, at my training field, I have a tower that has open graded steps, you know, metal grates, open steps. I fail three quarters of the dogs I look at on those steps alone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
you know, and, and I ask myself the same question sometimes, you know, hey, don't these guys understand what we're looking for? You know, I mean, why, why would they bring me, you know, this, this, this dog that's afraid of his own shadow? And you know, I, I asked one of the guys that, you know, uh, respectfully, I don't want to piss him off. And, you know, this guy's an asshole, American pricks, you know. But, um, I, you know, and, and what it is, I think there's so many people or so many small mom and pop kennels over there that are looking to make either a quick buck or hear that, hey, the Americans are coming, let's, let's, let's show them some dogs, that there's not a lot of preparation going on. They'll, they'll, they'll take a, a puppy mallow chef, put a little bit of training on them, train them in their backyard, and, and oh, the Americans are coming. Let's show some dogs. They'll buy this one. And they're banking on that you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know what you're talking about, and you're going to see this big, beautiful-looking mallow chef and say, that's the dog, I'm taking him, I'm keeping him. You know, so I, I think that's, you know, part of the problem. I don't problem or, or whatever it is. I, I think that's what, you know, kind of what's, what's happening. When you go right. over there, how many countries are you hitting? Or does everyone come to one location? Um, I usually, we usually got about two locations that we go to. Yeah. Uh, but those two locations that we come to, uh, mm-hmm. those guys kind of facilitate for other smaller vendors. And, and we, instead of us traveling so much, um, we kind of keep it between Germany and, and the Netherlands there and, and uh, just, you know, stay with those two guys. But we're seeing dogs from all over, you know, Hung- Hungary, uh, Czech Republic, um, you know, all over. Those guys who just come to those basic two locations and, and we'll kind of just, you know, save us a little bit of time. And, and, and you know, we're kind of familiar with the environment, you know. Yeah. When, when we were talking about the green dog thing, it's pretty funny because um, I do prefer when I get a green dog from Europe that he, he knows sit. So that I can kind of start working on narcotics, but now anymore, especially out of Hungary, I'm seeing dogs that don't know anything, and um, maybe they've been on a sleeve a few times or whatever. And then you start trying to teach them, you know, uh, imprinting n- narcotics almost at the same time you teach them to sit. And I, I just I keep getting lit up by these dogs, and it's like, man, um, <laughs> give give me something, guys. Give me a just. I don't. I'm not asking for an obedient dog, just a dog that'll sit. Yeah, and, we've uh, had that's an end. Had- We've had that, and then I've had the exact opposite. So I've had some where they come in and they act like I've never seen a fucking leash before, and I'm like, "Oh, this is oh, yeah. this, this is this is awesome." And the dog is great, raw, right? And you don't pay a lot for them. I'm like, "Oh, fuck me!" Yeah. And there's a reason why. But then we were, we imported five of them at once, and I went to the airport to pick them up. And as I was taking them out, like in the little cargo area, every single dog that I got out, and these are green. Got out, and we walked by this big van, and they started sniffing door handles and door seams. I'm like, you motherfuckers. Like, I knew exactly, uh, what, wonder, the, like, I knew exactly yeah, what they like, had done. Uh, I was like, what are you mm-hmm. looking for? <laughs> so and, and I, I'm like, what are you – like, who shows you how to do this? And I, the guy I was with yeah. kind of watched, and I was like, do you see that? And I was like, hold on a second. So we get the second one out. He does the same thing. I'm like, those motherfuckers. Yeah. And I knew exactly what, what they had done. <laughs> like, so – Yeah. I mean – you know, I, I, I see a lot of that in South America. When we go to South America to do our vibe trips for single-purpose dogs, we see a lot of that. These guys, oh, yeah, dogs green, dogs whatever, whatever. And, you know, you bring them around the room, and, I mean, his, he's hitting every little seam and crack and crevice, and you're like, what the hell? Green, <laughs> whatever. What, what, what is this? <laughs> green, you know? Yeah, he, something but at green. That point, yeah, but at that point, you know, if, if, if the dog looks great and he has awesome sniffing behavior, he's environmentally sound, you know, you, you can't fault him for that, man. If, you know, he's, a good dog is a good dog, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely yeah yeah absolutely and that's something <laughs> yeah. you know and I, and they say and it, you know and and it's never 
you know, I, when I talk to my guys in Europe, I can't just say, hey, I want one like we had, like, you know, what's his name or whatever the dog's name is. And because, like you said, they get them from the mom and pop guys. And, you know, our guys in particular know what Scott and I want. So, you know, they're really good about saying these guys are going to test this dog this way. And okay. they'll test it that way and they'll send us the video. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And, yeah. or, you know, or whoever's over there or whatever, if one of us is over there and then we go through the process. But, you know, typically we end up getting dogs that are fairly nice um, that way. But, yeah, I mean, the green, the conversation of green, because I get emails and text messages and whatever all the time about, oh, I need a green dog. I'm like, well, like, you know, what, what's, what's what, green to you? Well, yeah. yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, kind of going back on, kind of going back on the testing thing, um, you know, when, when you go over and you're doing your testing and stuff like that, you better believe they are going to be filming you. They're going to have all the little phones out filming you. So, next time you, next time you're, they know that you're coming down, they're going to prep those dogs for a couple days for your specific test. Or what they're so, not telling you, know, you is that if you don't buy that dog, they're going to go back, prep it for that test, and then they're going to increase the price for the next person that comes through. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and you better watch him because next oh, time yeah. it's – because the time you test him, his name is Spot, and the next time he comes around, his name's going to be Fifi. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. It'll be, the, it'll be the same dog you're looking at. I don't know how many times that's happened to us. Oh, yeah. So now when you get to this point, are the dogs uh, medically tested, or do you have to wait for that? Um, well, you know, they do all their x-rays. And all the medical stuff before we get there, mm-hmm. but you know we uh i'm I'm pretty sure everybody's been burnt in the past some sort of way, so oh, before yeah. the dogs even leave leave country, we take them to a vet that we know, and the vet checks them out you know a hundred percent you know hips elbows uh spine heartworm, or no so much heartworm, but things like that, you know what I mean right the overall medical health of the dog. Yeah, you know, these guys job. will tell you the, the hips, a hips, great hips, no, uh, no issues, great heart, great health. And you take him to the vet and he's like nine years old and he's like you know, <laughs> a breath away from dying. And so. <laughs> yeah, no, and yeah. that's a, uh, you know, we deal with that. So one of the things we do during testing or Scott and I do, and I, I mean, you know, we need dogs that are super social. That's one of the things that we, and even dual purpose dogs. Um, and I, I don't, absolutely. I, I think the industry is changing because when I started, and I'm sure when Eric started, too, the sociability deal was like non-existent. Oh, uh, yeah, I was non-existent. I mean, oh, yeah. they get these fucking street sweepers out there, and then motherfuckers would bite a fucking traffic cone if you pointed at it, and you're like, yeah, you yep. mean, we yep. need a little more control than that, and I think for the better, yeah. Um, yeah. they have started kind of select now you can still go over there and get those dogs that are shit bags and they'll bite anything oh yeah absolutely absolutely but you know i mean i think the testing phase because everybody has a different test and everybody knows how they train and what they look for and blah 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 blah. so you know uh scott not me personally anyway you know i'll watch i'll wash dogs for lack of hunt more than anything else um, both in detection and in tracking and, you know, they just kind of go flat. Um, and I give them a chance mm-hmm. and we kind of run through the process, but you know, there's only so much time I have with a dog. You know, I'm not going to put six months into one and be like, Oh, now he can track. No, no, you no. Know? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, if I can't, like, if I can't get his, you know, if I can't get him to, we had, I mean, fantastic female that we had come in she was a fucking terrorist. I mean, just absolutely mm-hmm fantastic dog but i mean i shit you not there was a tennis ball under a milk crate 
and she would drop completely out of drive. She could still see really? it. Uh, and, oh, I mean, man. but if we threw the ball and she could see it, she was fine. But she it would go under a milk crate. She'd drop completely out of drive. She'd just give up, and you're like, well, I mean, so outside of that, she would have been a fantastic patrol dog. But, you know, like somebody that we interviewed earlier said, if you can't find them, you can't bite them. So are you can't. I mean, yeah. so, hey, that's I mean, the truth. That's the yeah. truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So the big thing now is that everybody, especially because of social media, they follow, say, my account on Instagram or Ted or or other folks. And they're like, man, you guys have the best job. You get to play with dogs all day long and everything. Now, LOL. listen, I'm a, right. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a small LOL, kennel. that's for sure. Right, yeah. I'm a, I'm a small you know, kennel you know, at me, this me, point. Yeah, What's it like? What? Tell these guys the non-glamour side <laughs> of a large kennel, man. Lots it's, of shit. Sound, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to sound funny, but to be honest with you, I am not a dog person. I don't even really like dogs, to be honest I tell with people you. that all the time, and they think I'm full of shit. I'm like, no, seriously. I like my dogs, yeah. but no, I mean. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm not even, to be honest, I'm not even really a dog person. Um, I like dogs with a purpose. I like dogs at work. When I'm at home, I don't want to look at dogs. But ever since my last uh, working dog that I retired out after he died, that's it. No more dogs for me. Um, but, you know, the non-glamorous side, um, it's, it's physically taxing. That's for sure. Um, you know, yeah, especially when you got, when you got, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dual purpose dogs, you know, that you're either putting on a suit or, or you're, you know, you're just maintaining some of their bite and stuff like that. When you're, when you're going back to back and dog for dog, I mean, by dog number four or five, you're smoked beyond smoked. Um, oh, yeah. so that, I mean, it's, it, it's physically taxing. Um, I guess you come home smelling like dog every day, but that goes to a lot of guys, whether you're a handler, trainer, instructor or not. Um, some of the people you'll meet, you'll meet in this uh, industry are, uh, how could I say, colorful, strange, yeah. <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, I, I can go on, you know, for days about, you know, what maybe isn't so hot or isn't so great. But I mean, it realistically, yeah. Are you doing what you love? Absolutely. But it, it it's not all you know, rainbows and Hallmark cards. You know, there is there is a shitty side to it. No pun intended, right? Right. Of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I tell people that all the time. They're like, "Oh, you get to play with dogs all day." I'm like, "Fuck! If that's what you think I do all day, you are way sorely yeah. mistaken." And you know, and I tell people that too. Yeah. Like, I I'm not I, like I'm a dog person. I mean, I have my personal dogs, but like I'm not. Yeah a dog guy i enjoy the work more than i enjoy yeah. the dogs and i tell people i'm yep. like i'm not even a good trainer i'm not even i'm definitely not well, i'm not i'm not well-rounded at all like i don't know the first yeah. thing about like you know like medical alert dogs or i don't know the first thing about you know ptsd i don't know i don't know the first thing about gun dogs i don't even know where to start however if yeah. you need a dog to find something or to bite assholes i'm your guy <laughs> And that's what I tell people. They're like, oh, you train my dog. I'm like, you don't want me to do that. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, like, that's I'm. That's the first yeah. thing I say. You don't, you don't, you might want to turn your head for this part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, being, being out on the civilian side, like I said, really, really opened up, opened up my eyes to a lot of really cool things. Like, you were talking about, like, gun dogs. And, and you know, we have, like, this citrus program and, 
I mean, you know, some of the, you know, really cool stuff that we get to see or, or, or train a dog for is just, you know, I, I, I guess that's the fun part. That's the glamorous part. It's always getting into something new and, and you know, see what, see how, how else we can re, uh, reinvent the wheel out there for the canine program. Yeah, awesome. Eric, Eric and I interviewed a guy that uh, the episode hasn't aired yet, but um, that <clears throat> I think we may have to edit some of what I'm about to say, but he doesn't want us to talk about some stuff, but is Eric and I both, I mean, the guy is, you know, detection and like you were talking about earlier about sending a dog 300 meters out and then talking to him through a radio and everything else. And, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing that kind of shit is super motivating because I'm like, oh, man, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like if I if this dude can get this dog to do this, I need to step my shit up because, I mean, these guys are. Yeah. Talking to a guy like that makes you understand what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's what I took and away from that interview. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing, man, that is, is going to keep you in this industry long is, is being humble about it, man. You know, you get these guys that, well, I've done it for 20, 25 years, and I know they're everything there is to know about canines. You know, that's, that's when it's time for you to get out, man. You know, it, you always got to be open to new things and be honest with yourself. You know what I mean? If you don't know, you don't fucking know. You know what I mean? App. Watch videos. Do what you got to do. You know what I mean? You you, you got to stay humble, man. The, the, the second you lose that, it's, this isn't for you anymore. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's right. And you got to try again. Keep learning. I mean, you got to yeah, try to learn yeah, from everyone, everybody you can. Take even if it's one little thing. I, I, you know, I try to take something. It might change your whole entire approach. You never know. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah, I tell my students all the time. You know, um, you know it. it our way may not be the right way, but, you know, take what you like from it, put it in your toolbox, you know, and use it later. You know, maybe you might have, maybe that's something that might help you out in the long run. Or, or you know, when you go to your next trainer, maybe he's doing something that you don't like or something that you don't agree with. Listen to him, hear him out. Again, take what you don't like, throw it away. Whatever you do like, keep it in your toolbox and use it for later. You know, just, you, you got to keep an open mind. Definitely have an open mind. That's Excellent. awesome. So, uh, you're at Southern Coast now. Um, we can find you there, correct? I mean, do you have a personal Instagram you want people to go to? If not, then <laughs> like, I mean, no. But you guys, you know, I'm I'm on Facebook. You know, if anybody you know wants to you know find me or look me up or whatever, I'm on Facebook just first and last. I'm not I'm not hiding. It's not hard to find. I sent you a friend request while we were doing this interview. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm multitasking. <laughs> I, awesome. I can't. So yeah. So, uh, oh, I got it. 20, 22 minutes ago. Check that nice. out. Nice. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when uh, you guys got classes coming up down there, correct? When you got your next uh, single and dual-purpose classes, you got some going on now? What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I just got back from the bike trip, so we try to schedule stuff, um, you know, when everybody's there. Right now, my next class, I got 17 students, uh, single-purpose uh, students. Uh, there are, I got some instructors coming down for that course. Uh, the way we run our instructor course, um, we usually like to have a class. Um, so that way the instructors try to get as much hands-on with students. Uh, they get to develop a PowerPoint and uh, some of the course development and, and kind of talk about their experiences and we'll kind of grade them on how they do with the students. Um, we got trainers courses down there too. Um, some of the stuff that we do with our, you know, trainers courses uh, would have been awesome if I had the opportunity to do it when I was a young handler. Um, you'll take a green dog, depending on what you're there for, patrol, uh, detection. You'll take a green dog from start all the way to finish. Um, and you'll either certify with some sort of, uh, 
up, up to some sort of standard, whether it's NAPWADA and, and NEDA or, or FDLE, FDLE being Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Um, so we have a lot of good courses out there. Uh, some of the stuff that even, uh, you know, some of the newer guys or even some of the most more experienced guys that come out there to try to get some more hands-on, you know, so. Right. But, uh, yeah, and I think uh, Tripwire is coming down. They're going to have an HME course with you guys in April, right? Uh, yes. Well, right. they uh, they came – yeah, they're coming down for another, I believe, Bravo 3 conference in Daytona Beach. Right, yeah, uh, that'll be – yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. We'll be there. And, uh, yeah, yeah. But they, yeah, they are also coming for another uh, HME uh, large hide class, which is pretty cool if you guys ever get to check that out. That's awesome. Um, have a lot of fun there, blow some stuff up, make some explosives, and try to imprint your dog on whatever we can make. Uh, that's what those guys are good at is blowing shit up. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's sort of their whole thing. Um, so, yeah. 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 Um, Danny, thanks for coming on, man. Um, it's been great. We got to talk about lots of fun shit. Um, for those listening, go find Southern Coast K9, Southern Coast, the letter K, the number nine, dot com. They're out in uh, Florida on the Atlantic Coast northern part south jacksonville ish um out there go look them up uh green dog finish dog they do have all kinds of crazy shit danny works there uh eric you got anything to add nope it sounds you know they got a full service facility down there you got green dog you got everything you can do and if you, you get a chance to uh my thing is when i retire from the department i'm going to try to go to as many trainers courses as possible just like we were talking about so it's good information to yeah, know. I was are. looking at your website. The website I was just on the website. It's real good. Total total information you need right there on that website. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, Danny. Yeah, we we also we would love to have you come down, man. So if that's something you're looking forward to, hit me up, man. We'll try to get you down there. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So Danny, thanks again for coming on. Hey, thank you guys. It was awesome. Yep. Good time talking to you guys. Yep. And uh for the listeners, uh we'll have another episode coming out here every, well, ten days from now, whenever this airs. So uh Signing off, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at bracketdesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at brotherdeeg, spelled D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.